This is the Gettys Pod, the Gettysburgians Radio News Hour. The Gettysburgian is the official student-run news organization at Gettysburg College, keeping the Gettysburg community informed and aware through the publication of a monthly magazine and around-the-clock online content. It's Friday, April 15th, 2022. The Gettys Pod is brought to you by 91.1 WZBT Gettysburg, Gettysburg College's student-run radio station. I'm magazine editor Carter Hansen. And I'm editor-in-chief Phoebe Dosher. This episode, we'll talk to student Senate President-elect Miranda Zamora and Vice President-elect Jeffrey Meadville. That's coming up, but first, the news. On Tuesday, April 12th, the Eisenhower Institute and the Public Policy Student Council hosted the annual Campus Political Clubs debate. Political science professor A. Sil Wu moderated. Full disclosure, podcast editor Carter Hansen and opinions editor Emily Dalgleish represented college Democrats in the debate and have recused themselves from reporting this segment. Here's managing editor Nicole DiGiacomo with the story. The purpose of tonight's debate is to foster constructive dialogue that encourages students to become engaged citizens. This year's public policy debate was, surprisingly, one of the most tame debates I have seen in my four years at Gettysburg. It featured the College Republicans, College Democrats, and the Young Americans for Freedom, three constant groups on campus. It also welcomed a returning club, Young Americans for Liberty, and a new club, replacing old progressive clubs, the Gettysburg Coalition of the American Left. They debated the American reaction to Russia's invasion, the effectiveness of the UN and NATO, the Supreme Court, voting rights, and gun control. Young Americans for Freedom identified increasing police funding as the solution to gun violence. So how can we combat actual gun violence and more broadly violent crime? Uh, Fund the police. Police should have as many resources as possible to keep our country as safe as possible. Enforce the law. Our gun laws are poorly enforced. The ones that are on the books are more than sufficient for uh, maintaining uh, responsible gun control. Young Americans for Liberty emphasize both the right to bear arms and limiting police brutality. As you'll hear people talk about, you know, the right to bear arms, to stand up against government, um, and then in the same sentence say, we need to fund the police. Uh, really is a contribution of terms, I would say. The Coalition of the American Left echoed other clubs' elevation of the issue of mental health while also endorsing some gun control. We believe in mental health background checks and more regulations on how people store their guns. But this sociological aspect of this is the most important thing. Lively discussion allowed for only one question from the audience, which was about the future of student debt. Two moments that had the biggest audience reactions came from comments about the Supreme Court having two alleged rapists, and then later in the night, comments about three presidents being alleged rapists. Here's college Democrats. They don't have a great record. I mean, we now have basically two rapists on the Supreme Court. That's Thomas and Kavanaugh. So let's just say it how it is, okay? Young Americans for Freedom responded. Three out of the past five presidents are also, or two out of the past five, yeah, three are also rapists. That means Joe Biden. That means Joe Biden and Bill Clinton are rapists. Order, everyone. 
In past years, this level of upset would have been nearly every question. Unlike previous years, no group was determined the winner, but that is up to the audience. Hundreds of accepted students traveled to Gettysburg on Saturday, April 9th for the first physical Get Acquainted Day since the COVID-19 pandemic began two years ago. The future class of 2026 attended campus tours, a student activities expo, and department panels. Some even committed to Gettysburg and wore an orange dot on their name tag. Early decision commitments are up 8%, and according to VP of Enrollment Carrie Thompson, the admitted students have a strong academic record. They will have until May 1st to make a decision about their enrollment. Voter turnout plummeted in the elections for student Senate president and vice president last week, with only 207 students casting a ballot for either of the top Senate positions. Turnout in prior elections was significantly higher, with more than 600 students voting in the past three presidential and vice presidential elections. Miranda Zamora was the only candidate for student Senate president, and she received 181 votes. This is a significant drop from the presidential election in 2021, which Sid Kwan won with 450 votes. Low voter turnout in elections for the top Senate positions reflect an unengaged student body and a Senate recovering from, the, from controversy surrounding the impeachment of Vice President Colin Hughes last semester. Applications for technocratic positions, including secretary, treasurer, parliamentarian, inclusion officer, and class senators and officers, closed today at noon. Assistant news editor Lakin Franchetti reported on changes to Gettysburg's medical amnesty policy. On April 7th, Director of Student Rights and Responsibilities Elizabeth Farner sent an email to the campus community explaining an update to the medical amnesty policy. Medical amnesty provides protection to students who call DPS or 911 when another student is in need of medical assistance. According to the new medical amnesty policy, the college will not pursue disciplinary action against those in possession or consumption of low-level drugs or alcohol. Additionally, the disciplinary points for students involved in drug or alcohol-related medical amnesty emergencies has changed from one to zero points. News editor Allie Dayton reported on Relay for Life. On Saturday, April 8th, Colleges Against Cancer hosted their annual Relay for Life event from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. in the Hauser Fieldhouse in the Jager Center. The organization raised about $15,000 from students and on-campus organizations prior to the Relay for Life event, and they increased the amount raised to over $22,000 through fundraising activities that occurred during the event. Here's Features Editor Gracie Meisner reporting on Queer Prom. On Friday, April 8th, Queer Prom was held in the attic, welcoming all LGBTQ students and their allies. The event was sponsored by Out Questioning Straight, Q House, the Gender and Sexuality Resource Center, and the Office of Student Activities in Greek Life. The theme of the prom was Enchanted Forest, and students had the option of dressing according to the theme. Students could find an outfit in Harris Closet located in the Gender and Sexuality Resource Center. Students remarked that the organizers went all out with decorations and there was a buffet of food and candy. The event's music was student-selected and there were pool tables and other games for entertainment. Arts and Entertainment Editor Victoria Staub reports on the many performances at Gettysburg this past week. Last weekend, the arts within Gettysburg were incredibly prominent. On Friday, April 8th, senior Lauren Browning premiered Nice Again, her self-written, self-directed, and self-produced play. Also on Friday, the Sundering Conservatory held a voice recital that showcased arias, art songs, and musical theater selections. On Saturday, April 9th, the Sundering Conservatory's jazz ensemble hosted a concert in the Majestic Theater. Finally, on Sunday, April 10th, the Majestic hosted a symphony band concert. Here's sports editor Jack Hare with an update on March Madness and spring athletics on campus. 
March Madness wrapped up on April 3rd and 4th, resulting in two champions from the men's and women's national tournaments. The number one seeded Kansas Jayhawks took the crown on the men's side, defeating the North Carolina Tar Heels, while the number one seeded South Carolina Gamecocks bested perennial contender UConn in the championship on the women's side. Check out our article on the Gettysburgian website for a breakdown of each tournament. Spring athletics are also in full swing here on campus. Both men's and women's lacrosse teams are nationally ranked and dominating opponents. Bullets softball and baseball battle weekly on the diamond, and the tennis and track and field teams continue to shine. Finally, Opinions Editor Emily Dalgleish relays a brief opinion from the Gettysburgian Editorial Board. We rely on the Department of Public Safety to keep us safe. However, a series of recent incidents cause us to question their ability to respond quickly and competently in a crisis. During the bank robbery, it was not until hours after the local police held the suspect at gunpoint on campus that DPS informed students of the incident. There was a washing machine fire this week in Paul Hall, and a DPS officer entered the building filled with smoke without fire equipment or even a mask. Two days in a row, a gray sedan shot an airsoft gun and struck college community members, yet DPS was not even aware that this had happened until the second day. We must expect rational and capable responses to emergency situations and quick and transparent communication about those emergencies. That wraps up the news briefing for this episode. Editor-in-Chief Phoebe Dosher spoke to Student Senate President-elect Miranda Zamora and Vice President-elect Jeffrey Meadville about the Senate election process and their goals for next year. Today we're talking to the Student Senate President-elect Miranda Zamora and Vice President-elect Jeffrey Meadville. Welcome, both of you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. So I would like you both to start by telling us a little about yourselves, maybe talking about your involvement on campus, your background in Senate, anything that helps us get to know you a little bit as president and vice president-elect. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go ahead and start. Uh, My name is Miranda Zamora. I'm a junior political science major and Spanish minor here at Gettysburg College. Um, A few things that I do on campus besides Senate, I'm involved in the social sorority Sigma Sigma Sigma. I'm an assistant to the Fielding Center of the Eisenhower Institute. I'm also a Zumba instructor with our campus recreations program. I'm a tour guide with the admissions office. And then as far as my Senate experience, I've served as a um, club rep for several clubs on campus. I have served as the chairperson of the College Life Advisory Committee, and I am currently serving as the vice president and the chair of the Election Affairs Committee. Um, And I'm super excited to be the president-elect. Terrific. Yeah, totally. And so I'm a first year student. I'm a political science major, writing minor. Super excited about that. I just declared like two days ago. <laughs> um, and besides that, and on campus, I'm super involved in Gettysburg Environmental Concerns Organization. Um, I'm a tour guide as well. Um, and then things I've done in Senate, I'm a senator at large currently right now and the chair of the Sustainability Committee. Great. So you both mentioned you've been involved in setup in the past. I know, Jeffrey, this is your first year, so not for very long. But again, now you're here jumping right into the executive board. Um, what made you both decide to run for the president and vice president, respectively, um, in the first place? So I've had the opportunity to serve as vice president for the past semester. I was appointed after the recent impeachment. Um, And I think that we've had a lot of progress with a lot of the internal problems that we've seen with Senate, you know, especially with COVID. We've had a lot of problems dealing with like communication and leadership aspects and even like creativity and other aspects of, you know, the Senate as a whole. Um, So I think that we've made a lot of progress internally, but now I want to be able to shift our gears back to our external goals, you know, working for the campus, making sure that problems with students are being addressed. And I feel that especially the president has a little bit more of that external role, you know, serving as, you know, the head point person for the student senate. And that's something that I wanted to take on. I feel that Sid has done a great job with it. Um, 
her and I have definitely talked about it a lot. She's helped mentor me and I'm very excited to take on the role. And I received a lot of encouragement from a lot of past and current exec board members to run. Um, I felt like I had a place to just have some new experience, new ideas. I feel like Marita has done a really good job in her semester as vice president, and I really wanted to facilitate the rest of that transition into that external role for her and that internal role for me as vice president, and I felt like I was the best person to do that. Great. And so one thing I'm kind of curious to ask you both about is what sort of an ongoing relationship do you two have previous to assuming these roles, and how do you hope to kind of cultivate that as kind of, you know, the heads of the student senate body? Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like, of course, as a first year student, like I didn't know you that well, especially this year. Um, when I took on the role as vice president, one thing that I made sure to do, especially, you know, seeing my role as internal, seeing my role as kind of this almost HR person for um, the student senate. Um, one thing that I always did was offering check-ins to all of our voting members, all of our committee chairs, even senate reps, any anyone who wants to come in and check with me. Um, to discuss, you know, how Senate's going for them, what we as an exec board can do better. Um, and I had plenty of check-ins with Jeffrey, um, whether it was talking about, you know, him running for VP, you know, talking about his job as sustainability chair. Um, and I feel like we really got to build, like, a really good working relationship through that as well as a friendship. I know we do a lot of things together on campus with admissions and other groups like that. Um, but especially, you know, when coming up to elections, I know that he had a check-in with me specifically about, you know, considering running for the VP role. Um, and I think I was able to give him a lot of advice for that. I think especially talking to him, we kind of have the same image. Um, so I'm excited Definitely. to work with him and kind of, you know, work to make sure that, you know, not only like what I hope to achieve with this role is being achieved, but also that, you know, you're able to create that image as you step into that role next year. Yeah, totally. I mean, you got it all. That's, it. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. And then so before we kind of pivot to talking about moving forward and what your role is going to look like and the goals you hope to achieve, which you kind of touched upon already, I'm kind of curious to hear about what, how the election process went for both of you. It was interesting with the elections. You know, I wasn't sure if I was going to run for president, especially considering, you know, my role as VP is running the elections. I wasn't sure how that would look. Um, and I've also had, you know, various previous experiences with the elections that weren't exactly in a positive light. That's something that I've tried to change this year, make sure that our elections run smoothly. I'm a little upset about the low voter, voter turnout, as well as, you know, the fact that we didn't really have a whole lot of candidates. I think part of that goes back to that disconnect with COVID. You know, a lot of people are used to um, you know, doing things on a screen and, you know, not really being involved as much. And I think coming back on campus and getting involved in all these things, like it's a lot. Like I know, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like I've taken on so many things. My schedule is just mm -hmm. on the go, oh, on the yeah, go, on the go. Definitely. And I think especially taking on that Senate role, at least from I've seen what I've seen as a um, exec, even for only a semester, it's a big commitment. It is a big time commitment. And I think, you know, people are still getting adjusted to getting back into that routine, getting back into those time commitments. So hopefully, you know, I'm hoping to see more turnout with the technocratic elections, the senator elections, and hopefully we can get a bigger even turnout next year. Yeah, definitely. I think like what you were saying, that there's definitely a passiveness on campus right now. I notice it in classes. I notice it in general. But like as a Senate, I notice it as well in the way people vote and the way people act. And so I think that it's just one of those things where if you're not forcing people to do things, they're not going to do it because it's not just handed to them. So finding ways to make people go out of their way and try new things is really important. And voting is apparently a new thing for some people, which is disappointing, but you know, that's how it is. And we're trying to build that image back up. Right. And just for context, for the people listening here, um, there were roughly 200 people who voted for both of you. Um, and Miranda run, ran unopposed and Jeffrey had one 
person who ran against him. Um, so as you can see, it's kind of, you know, it, in the past there have been more people who have voted, but again, it's harder to get in some ways and harder to get the uh, word out about that. So I can see how that's a struggle. Um, in terms of some of the things you discussed during your both of your candidacies, can you kind of talk to um, how that process went and some of the things you really hope to capitalize on? I know you mentioned it a little bit before, but I guess you can kind of go into a little more detail here. Yeah, absolutely. One point that, excuse me, one point that I've always hit throughout, you know, my Senate career and especially, um, you know, campaigning for the president role is um, one major goal that I have is working on our transparency with our administration and establishing relationships with those administrators as well. I feel like especially with COVID, you know, there was a lot of disappointment in some of the decisions that were made as well as the policy that was created. Um, I, I personally feel that there could have been a lot more student input on those decisions. And that's something that I want to you know, cater throughout, you know, various issues that we have on campus. With my experience as a committee chair, I had the opportunity to, you know, gather a group of students and talk to administrators on a weekly basis and reach out to them. And it helped me to develop those working relationships with administrators such as, you know, Dean Ramsey, who retired, um, Jeff Foster, even the president, um, and working with them to not only, you know, talk about these issues on campus, but just creating those relationships in general and something that I hope to do and especially Jeffrey will play a big role in this, is making sure that we are able to, you know, help our senators and our committee chairs and all our working members to make sure that, you know, like that they know what resources are available to them and they know what administrators to reach out to. Um, so that way, you know, they can better do their jobs while also establishing a network for themselves. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's a really big piece of it. I think that making sure that people know that they're being heard and that they're being seen is really what I want. I really want that relationship I want to sit down with everyone and say you know this is what's happening how do you feel about it how what are your feelings in general what can we do to make this experience better for you and do that at the senator level but then do that as a whole campus level how can we make this experience better for you because that's our job that's our motto we work for you we do what we can do best and we have those relationships Miranda has those relationships I'm hoping to build those relationships next year and I just think that that's really important and along with that just like being respectful being professional is really important to me that's something I feel like has in general across the board fell by the wayside over COVID because we're just in casual settings and now that we're returning to those professional in-person settings we need to remember that those are important goals to hold ourselves to and one thing I think that I heard one if not both of you mentioned during the Senate forum and during your candidacy was this understanding of what Senate does from the general population of the student body. And I think we see that rep reflected in somewhat of the voter turnout as well when we didn't have a ton of people voting. Um, but I think some of you mentioned during this forum that students at large don't necessarily understand what Senate does or the progress that they make. Um, and so what are some of the tangible ways that you're hoping to cultivate this understanding of what Senate does and how you can help student body? Yeah, absolutely. So something it's something that honestly we talk about currently in exec every single week because um, a lot of people just don't know, like our committees that we have. We have various committees that are open to the whole campus. Anyone can apply to be a chair. Several of our positions even this year, such as the senator, is the inclusion officer. You don't need to have any previous Senate experience in order to join. You just got to have that motivation. Um, and something that, you know, we were talking about doing and something that I at least would like to implement I think this goes with outreach, so whoever ends up being our secretary, I think that's something we can work with them on. Um, but I think we really need to work on our outreach with the campus, you know, especially, you know, when Senate does something, making sure that it's publicized, that it's that people are aware that we did it. I remember when 
Um, we got the printers back in the library. That was something that was big on Instagram and things like that. So making sure that, you know, when we accomplish something, it's something that, you know, we advertise and we make sure that students are aware and make sure that that's a resource for them. We're also looking at publicizing our um, way that we take in student concerns a little bit more, possibly posting QR codes around the campus, Google Forms, different things like that that are available mm -hmm. to all the students. Um, and one thing that I've discussed, I don't know the logistics of it yet, but something I would like to try is maybe like a weekly newsletter. We send out an agenda to all our voting members, but I feel it's important that that, or at least, you know, the things that we do and the things that we talk about are published to the whole campus. And I know our agenda is available to the whole campus, but, you know, making sure that that's something that's sent directly to them. And even if people don't read it, at least it's something that that is there available for them to see what we're doing. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think part of that is a part of the job of a senator, of a committee chair, of a club rep, of an affinity group leader is to go back to their their smaller groups of people and explain what they did in Senate or what Senate did as a whole. And I think a lot of people either don't know that or don't know how to do that the best way. So providing the resources, explaining how you do that, telling people what we did is really important. And then also just like she's, Miranda said, publicizing, working more closely with the media outlets that we have access to, creating more ones if we need to, to have those resources to create just channels of communication. And again, people don't have to read it, but simply saying that we have that available provides that resource if someone wants to find it. And that's really important. Right. And part of that, I mean, with the Gettys version, we live stream every week and then we put out an article yes. to try to get that public information to the student body totally. so you can mm -hmm. see what goes on in your meetings yeah. so that anyone can watch it. And sometimes I'll be watching the live stream and I'll see like parents or alumni <laughs> yeah. or like faculty members like tuning in to watch the meetings. So in that sense, it's not very widely publicized. We only get a few people to view, but it is something that can help hopefully cultivate that sense of, uh, I guess, the buzz around what's happening in Senate. And so, Jeffrey, you mentioned a few minutes ago this uh, topic of respect. Uh, and I think we've noticed in the past year, anyone who's been involved in Senate meetings or seen what's happened in Senate meetings has heard it time and time again from SIT especially saying we need to establish respect uh, because there have been some contentious things that have been brought to the Senate floor in terms of student concerns, in terms of political views. We've had a couple impeachments. We've had some budget requests that were a little contentious. Um, so can you two kind of talk about how you hope to cultivate that sense of respect and continue in that direction. Yeah, of course. And that's something that, you know, I'm currently working on right now with my um, election affairs committee, you know, working on the onboarding and training of next year's members, especially because that's something that, you know, the VP is in charge of. Um, it's something that, you know, personally, I thought was kind of lacking in the first semester. Um, you know, especially coming back from COVID, we had a lot of new members who, you know, weren't really trained, didn't really know what to do. And that was really even evident um, in recent meetings, you know, people not knowing procedure, people not knowing how to do things, having respectful discourse and things like that. And those are the kinds of aspects, you know, having that respectful discourse, having bias training, things like that are the kinds of things that I'm hoping to incorporate into training right now. It's something that I'm planning, something that I'm working on alongside with Jeffrey. So that way, you know, once Jeffrey steps into this role, he's able to just hit the ground running and making sure that, you know, all of our new members, all of our current members are trained on that. That's something that's ongoing. It's something that we have in the works right now. I'm hoping especially, you know, having that training, having that solid kind of groundwork to work on will help out. And then something else that I'm also want to do a bit more of an external role. You know, we have events like the Senate barbecue. We recently had the Senate open in the attic, you know, making those um, kinds of events more frequent. So that way, not only we can build the relationships between all of our Senate members, um, but also build a relationship with the campus. And that's something that I'm looking to do next year. I think it was especially jarring for me coming in as a first year and the experience was so different than, I, you know, I was involved in student government in high school. I am involved on 
like in organizations that are very operate very similarly to Senate outside of my education and to come into a place where it, it felt as though there were these levels of, of respect and this stuff was happening, but it was just breaking down and there was some disconnect was really surprising to me. So I've noticed it throughout the year, like Miranda was saying, and I think that our predecessor especially, there was some breakdown in communication on on the role of the job that he was doing, but then also just like executing that to the first year class, especially in my experience. So really working on that outreach because it really does start in your first year. That's when you start to teach these people and teach these new members what they can do and what is expected of them. And then they can go forward from there. So I think that that's like, that's really my important piece is just teaching and, and being an open place where we can have a conversation about what some person might think is respect compared to another person and what people have perceptions of and and working on coming to a common ground to find that general level that we can all agree on. Absolutely. And I think you're a great example then of a student who was able to take the information about what Senate is and kind of go forward with your leadership and your, you know, intentions for getting involved in Senate. And I was hoping that you both, for anyone out there who doesn't necessarily understand exactly what the role entails for both of you, can you kind of explain broadly? I know VP is responsible for elections and things like that. And you were talking about how it has more of an internal role. And then, of course, president is more broadly, you know, external. Can you kind of talk about what those roles are so people understand what you do? So just kind of like, you know, being the VP right now and then moving on to president, like like you said, and like we've been talking about, the president is a very external role, you know, dealing with you being kind of that head point person, being the kind of face of Senate almost. You know, reaching out to those administrators, making sure that problems are being attended to, going to different committees, um, you know, kind of doing a lot of that external work outside of Senate to make sure that all of our concerns being heard. Whereas I feel that the VP is kind of more an internal person, making sure that there's kind of like member satisfaction within the Senate, making sure that it's running how it should be, um, reaching out to, you know, all of our voting members, all of our committee chairs, affinity group leaders, and making sure that they have those resources that are available to them to make sure that they're doing their jobs to the best of their ability. Yeah, totally. I mean, the the only thing I would add to that is that I, I see the VP working very closely with an inclusion officer to, to make sure that that member satisfaction is there and to make sure that people feel that their jobs are being done the best they can. I mean, it's just, it's really just that HR, like if you can generally understand what an HR person does, that's kind of just how we do it. And we are like, you know, working on it in the constitution and stuff. So it does, and it is anticipated to change a little bit as we work and as I flesh it out a little bit more from what Miranda has done, but that's our intention at least. And just to touch quickly on this topic of Constitution, I understand that there were a lot of changes that happened to the Constitution over the past year. It was kind of what you referred to as a constitutional overhaul. Um, So can you discuss what those changes were over the past year and how you hope to move forward with that? Yeah, of course. So they are changes that like are continuously being made at the moment. We are hoping to have, you know, a final set copy of our Constitution by the end of the year so that way you know our next parliamentarian can start next year and just hit the ground running um but various changes that we've made we've made um you know just making better language describing the roles of the each exec position specifically something that we're looking at doing is making well already the inclusion officer is a popularly elected position as of this year 
um, but possibly changing the VP role so that it is an internal election along with the rest of the technocratic board. You know, considering that they do have that internal role, they are dealing a lot with the members of Senate and things like that. Um, that's just one of the changes that we're thinking about doing. Another change that we're thinking about doing is making our college life advisory committee have a larger role within our committees, um, especially because we find that they have a lot of connection with a lot of our different committees groups. You know, they are working on issues with sustainability, with safety, with housing, and, and in many different aspects of college life. Kind of taking some of our committees and combining them into that big group, kind of giving an almost kind of exec-like position to whoever that chair is, um, just because they have so many issues to deal with. Um, those are a few of the changes that we're planning on making. The only other ones that come to mind when I think about it are just reevaluating what people's roles are, how they can best do those roles, and, and seeing that maybe maybe some things need to be altered so that people can better execute their jobs, making sure that people more understand what their jobs are, really just trying to take some of the language that was written and making it more more concrete, more understandable, because when things are written a little bit more vaguely, it's really hard to execute your job. It's really hard to understand what people say. So really trying to make sure that this constitution is the last one for a little bit. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed in that sense. Yeah. And what you, you what you were all mentioning about committees is um, that's another part of Senate that I think, you know, is important for people to understand because committees are responsible for sort of nailing down very specific aspects of campus like sustainability like safety like wellness like um you know college life like all those different aspects of it so that i think that's um important that you brought it up because that's one of the inner workings of senate that people need to understand goes on and that people can attend those meetings right um and then they can also you know see how things are executed through those committees um so i was hoping to also i guess touch upon quickly before we kind of wrap up here um you mentioned the technocratic elections and the other elections that are coming up in the future. Can you kind of discuss what's next for these, um, I guess, leadership positions within Senate in the coming weeks? Yeah, of course. So just in the few coming weeks, we are still accepting applications right now. I can't give away names, but we have a lot of familiar faces. We have some new people in the mix. Um, I'm excited to see who applies for inclusion officer because it is open to the whole campus. You don't have to have any previous experience. And another thing that we just implemented is our joint tickets for our um, class officers, especially, you know, we've seen um, a lot of, you know, times our class officers, we just don't have anyone running because they're not able to because they're abroad. Um, so that's something that we implemented to make sure that, you know, we have people who are passionate about the job that can still continue to do it despite, you know, having that semester off campus. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see where it goes. So I think we have... Um, I've had a lot of new people coming in. I've had a lot of people reaching out. I've done a lot of check-ins, you know, as vice president with people who just want to know a little bit more about the jobs who are a little curious. Um, but those applications are open until Friday at noon. We will have a forum next week in Senate, um, you know, so you can get a little to know a little bit more about the candidates. Yeah, totally. I think I'm really excited. I know, especially for technocratic elections, a lot of people have decided that they're not going to run again, so we're looking at an entirely new face of the exec, which is really exciting. New ideas, different people, um, which I'm excited about because I really love new ideas, and I just think that we're really looking like we're going in a good direction so far, and I'm really excited for it. Yeah, that's wonderful. And just to be clear for anyone who's listening, technocratic includes treasurer, secretary, and parliamentarian. Is yes. that correct? So those are more positions on the executive board that are voted on after you guys are already in place, clearly. Um, and then inclusion officer, which is now a popularly elected position. And then senators, uh, yes. you know, mm -hmm. in general, who are also um, 
brought on. So then I guess to wrap up here, can you both speak about what's next for Senate in your view in terms of maybe even the coming weeks or within the coming year, what you're most excited about, what you see happening and things like that? Um, I'm just really excited, you know, to kind of revamp the image of Senate. I feel like um, Senate kind of gets a bad rep. Um, you know, even when we talked to people when we were talking about running again, they were like, why would you do that? Um, just because it's a lot of work and a lot of things going on. Um, but we've had, you know, recent events like the Senate Open. There are things that we've gotten done that, you know, kind of put us in a little bit more of a positive light. They allow us to connect more with the campus. Um, and I'm really excited, you know, to get back to that little bit of like an external role and, you know, working with students on the campus and not only working with them, but, you know, being able to connect with them, make relationships with them. Um, so that way we can get more people engaged, more people going. Um, so having more events like that, you know, a little bit more open communication with the student body. Um, that's something that, you know, especially with that external role where I see it going. So. Totally, yeah. I'm really excited to work with people I haven't worked before. I think that Senate next year is going to have a lot of new faces, a lot of faces that are mainstays but have new roles. Um, I'm really looking forward to, to promoting our image, as Miranda was talking about, but also just really trying to find the best way possible for us to move forward and working with the administration and working with the students to, to find that middle ground and, and really make sure that we are doing the best that we can. Well, thank you so much, both of you, and congratulations on your elections. Thank yeah. you. Thank, thank you, you so for much. having us. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's Gettys Pod. We'd like to thank Miranda Zamora and Jeffrey Meadville for being our featured guests today. The Gettys Pod is made possible by our wonderful team here at the Gettys Version. Reporting for this episode was contributed by Nicole DiGiacomo, Lakin Franchetti, Allie Dayton, Gracie Meisner, Victoria Staub, Jack Hare, and Emily Dogleash. Check out more from the Gettys Version at gettysversion.com or pick up a magazine around campus. The Gettys Pod is edited and produced by myself, magazine editor Carter Hansen. And hosted by me, Editor-in-Chief Phoebe Dosher. Our theme music was composed by Sophia Rocha. The Gettys Pod is broadcast by 91.1 WZBT Gettysburg. Listen to The Gettys Pod on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.